hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Are you living up to your values? Often the answer to that question is no. For example, do you value financial independence yet find yourself living on credit cards or living paycheck to paycheck? If your values and lived experiences in any area of your life have a disconnect, the issue may not be so much with your values or even your circumstances, but with your standards. This is a profound realization that we've recently had in a conversation with today's guest, Coach Fletcher Ellington, a longtime friend of ours. Our conversation was so enlightening that we just had to share it with you. Values versus standards. That's what we're talking about on today's episode of Queer Money Podcast, episode number 280. This is a good show and we go a little deep on this, but we think you're going to love it because we loved it and probably could have gone on a lot longer. We ask you again to please remember that we make the Queer Money Podcast for you. So post your money questions in the Queer Money Facebook group. We may answer your question in an upcoming episode. Now let's get on with it. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Hey there, Queer Money listeners. I'm really excited about the show that we're going to have today. A while back, a lot of you know that a while back, John and I were doing a daily YouTube to kind of encapsulate some of the early episodes of the Queer Money podcast. And one of our longtime colleagues was watching one of those episodes and reached out to us and wanted to chat about something. And we started having this really fun, interesting conversation. And it kind of sparked this idea of maybe this is something we actually should be talking to the community about on our podcast. So today we have Fletcher from Coach Fletch on the podcast, who, as I mentioned, is a longtime colleague of ours, somebody that we have kind of been in the community with uh, podcasting, talking about uh, everything from money to um, happiness to emotions. And we've invited him on the show to have a very interesting conversation around these ideas of values and standards and the things that we do and why we do them. Now, I know that <laughs> that's a whole lot there, but before we dive into this, um, Fletcher, it's really nice to have you on the show. We appreciate you coming on and joining us. Thanks a lot. I love, love what you guys do, so it's my pleasure to be here. So when we started this whole kind of conversation with you, it came about because we were talking about values on a particular video that we were recording for the Queer Money Podcast Lives that we were doing on YouTube. And just for kind of maybe to get this kind of conversation started, what are values and, and why are they important? I think it's something that we can we can all talk to, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this first. Yeah, great, great place to start. You know, value speaks to something's worth, whether that's in tangible or intangible, when we talk about value, we're, we're, we're talking about the worth something has or its degree of importance. So values, meaning the worth of something tangible or intangible, influences our decision making and how we prioritize. Can you maybe help us with an example 
that you, you would say for Absolutely. for maybe for general population, then maybe John and I could maybe tap into one for the LGBTQ population. Yeah. So let's talk about honesty. Okay. So everyone, everyone would say, well, I really value honesty. And what's, what is the value of honesty? So at the core of honesty is a promise of trust or believability. There's a promise of workability. So the value of honesty, because it has the promise of those things, workability, believability, trust, the value of honesty is extremely high. We value it at an extremely high rate. And the demand for it is absolutely skyrocketing, right? The demand for honesty is huge. And then here's where it gets interesting. But the supply of honesty is minuscule. And this is why we have a booming, you know, law industry. Uh, we value honesty, but frequently we don't live by the value. Uh, that's interesting. And I totally appreciate this because I think that there's, there's so many times when we see this kind of, we value something and then it's not necessarily produced or yes. it doesn't, there isn't, it doesn't flourish in our lives. I think for myself, one of the things that when I think about folks in the LGBTQ community, we value acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. And for many of us, our lives have kind of been dictated by a lack of acceptance for for whether it's accept, not getting that acceptance from your family or your friends or school or churches or politicians or society in general. There's all these different layers of we want acceptance from those around us for who we authentically want to be ourselves. And I think it's it's kind of interesting that you you kind of had this kind of juxtaposition of we value the honesty, but then there's this whole industry to basically back up the fact that many people aren't really honest, right? Correct. And and then I think that there's folks in the side the LGBT community who really want acceptance, but then sometimes they feel like once they get into the LGBT community, that there's people within the community that are not accepting of the they themselves, right? So you there are a lot of times there are folks who may be trans or non-binary or folks who are a little bit more quote unquote queer that feel like they're not necessarily getting the acceptance from maybe some of the larger, more mainstream folks in the LGBT community, so such as lesbians and gays, right? And I think mm -hmm. that there's kind of that, kind of, maybe that kind of same parallel to what you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone values acceptance. And what's interesting, because some people will say, uh, well, we don't all share the same values. We actually do. The majority of us share all the same values. It's what degree do, uh, to what degree do we subscribe to the value? So just like you mentioned, there are some people within the community who want acceptance, but at a certain point, the degree to which they're willing to participate in that acceptance uh, stops. There's a stop when it comes to other groups within the community, like you just said, right? So we all value acceptance, but to varying degrees. I'm wondering, I, I believe everything that, that you've both said so far, but I'm, I'm wondering if there is a 
disparity in or a difference in the definition of honesty and acceptance. Maybe we're not all playing by the same definitions. Is that well? Possible? Let's, well, let's say uh, okay. So let's, for the sake of definition, let's say honesty. What we mean by that is being truthful. If we all value being truthful, everybody values being truthful. Yes or no? Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And at, at least at least we'll get at least we'll give lip service to it. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we all value being truthful. And we all have varying degrees of being truthful. I think in the individual situation, there aren't varying levels of truth in, in the one microscopic situation, right? It's either true or false. So I think that maybe what we're kind of crossing into a little bit is this, is what you came to us with. It was this idea that we all have values and we say we value something, but then we don't necessarily live up to those values. And that's when you say it's actually our standards that are playing a bigger role in our decision making. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yes. So, so really a value shows a, it indicates a preference. We value family time. We value connection. There's a certain value or promise within that concept called family time or connection. And we value it, meaning we we have a preference for that. So that's what a value does. It kind of indicates a preference. And just because we value something doesn't mean it shows up in our life or we, or we uh, have it active in, in our life at all. Now we're getting into standards. How, what you're asking is, how do we breathe life into the, to a value? Is that accurate? Right. Well, yeah, I exactly. guess maybe the, well, the question then is, what's a standard and how is it different from a value? Great question. So a standard is some sort of metric that demonstrates what you're willing to settle for in an area of your life. For instance, if I say I value family time, but I work after hours instead of playing, uh, instead of playing games with my family and I miss most of my family events because I'm always on my phone or my, my tablet, then what I'm willing to settle for actually is disconnection. Now, I value family time, right? I value it. I see that there is worth in it. And yet my standard, what I'm willing to settle for is very little connection with my family. There's a conflict there, right? Yes. And that's maybe the mistake that I made. I was I was looking at definitions, but to your point, it's not so much that we're, we're playing with def different definitions. We're playing with varying degrees of standards. So I'll say that I value truth, but that'll be how truthful I am will be predicated on my standard of truth. Yes, exactly. And and just um, I can't remember if we spoke about this last time, but this is a, a I love this example. So. People say, well, we don't all have the same standards, but we really do. So we value loyalty. We value friendship. We value work ethic. We value being on time. We value family. We value honesty. So basically, we can come up with this incredible uh, creativity, right? We value all the patience. We value contribution and connection. So all these values sound wonderful. If we made this list of values for ourselves and then we looked at the values of the mob, you know, the mafia or crime syndicates, we'll see that they have the exact same values as us. So we share the same values <laughs> as the mafia because they value all those things that I just said. So 
values don't mean anything noble about us when we're looking for a partner. Oh, I really want a partner that shares all the same values. Well, that's going to be easy to find then because everybody shares your same values. They all will say, I value family time, connection, adventure, vacation, personal time, life, work, balance, right? Who's going to argue with any of that? Right. We all share the same values, but it has nothing to do with producing results in our life. That comes back to the standards. The standards is what determines the results that we have in our life. Right. And so for, for folks, as you're listening to this, you can probably start to see why we want to have this conversation because there seems to be this varying degrees of <laughs> loyalty to the standard <laughs> for, yes. for lack of a better way of saying that. Right. We can go, I think a lot of us can go to, you could go to, three or four different people and you could watch them and they all say that they value this this one thing but yes. you watch their actions and you could rate them in a varying degrees of whether or not their standards show how much they live up to that value right so you meet somebody and they say that they value loyalty but they're not the kind of person who ever calls you back, or they're not the kind of person that is, quote unquote, your true friend. And then you find somebody who's very extremely loyal to you and is a very close friend and listens to you. And then you have the other person who maybe is saying that they're very loyal to you, but then on the other hand, they're stabbing you in the back, right? So we see these varying levels of how our standards actually prove whether or not our values are really worthwhile in our lives. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so uh, a number of my clients that I've worked with in the past, they value having wealth. They value having savings. They, they value financial stability. That's their value. And yet in their bank account, they're, they're broke. They're living paycheck to paycheck and they're spending more money that they're generating. So their standard, what in, in other words, what they're willing to settle for is being broke and living month to month. But they still value financial stability, right? Because we all value financial stability, but it's this, it's our standard that really produces and determines the result. And, and the result in their life, when they start working with me, is like, we don't have any money. We're living paycheck to paycheck. And so what we, then this is where you can see where this conversation becomes extremely relevant. Yes. And I can see, I think it was Dr. Martini that said, show me how you spend your money and I'll tell you what you value. But you would edit that to say, show me how you spend your money and I'll tell you the standards of your values. Exactly. Yes. Because standards, again, values, in uh, they identify a preference. They indicate a preference, but standards determine results. And so I think that could be parlayed like, uh, into the things I did yesterday got me to where I am today. So the level of my success is based on what I've done before. And if I want to gauge my level of success, I can look around my in my environment. Yeah, absolutely. And if you take it to that next level, like if you begin to look at your standards, that's the fastest way to change your results. Um, so when you guys you know, decided, made a decision, a powerful decision, like, hey, we're not going to live this way anymore. We're not going to live month paycheck to paycheck. We're, we're not going to live in debt. 
that your your standard or what you were willing to settle for at one point in your life was to live with massive debt. Is that accurate? Clearly, it must have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, now, by the way, most of the standards that we have, we did not choose. We didn't create them uh, intentionally. They were modeled for us, and we just picked them up by watching other people. You know predominantly our family um, and the church and the government and the school. But we didn't sit down in class one day and say, all right, what should we have us, our standard be around finances, finances? What should we have our standard be around telling the truth? What should we have our standard be around our health and fitness? Right. We didn't have that discussion. And so it sometimes is quite shocking when we find ourselves living paycheck to paycheck because we would say that we value financial stability. Right. So now you're kind of getting into the, the four four agreements, right? Things have been projected on us since before birth, right? So we adopt these models thinking that they're our own. I wonder if it's this distinction in or the this varying degrees of standards mm-hmm. is why two people coming from very same in the very same environments, by all intents and purposes, the same people, but one of them can just blossom and the other one can crumble is that do you think that's very often based on varying degrees of standards yeah definitely standards just consistently determine your results so you might have uh for instance two kids that grow up in a home where there is a lot of drug abuse or physical abuse Mm -hmm. one of those children may come out and repeat that those scenarios repeat that those behaviors because they see that as a standard the other person may have had some influence in their life that allowed them to say hold on a second i'll never do this this has been horrific i'll never do this i am not willing to settle for this and what they've done through massive pain and trying to avoid massive pain in the future is they've just created a new standard for themselves they, it will be, I'm never going to lay a hand on my kid. I will always, I'm going to love and support and be their cheerleader and make sure they're safe. Now they've just created a new standard. Now they didn't realize they were creating a new standard, but that's what's happened. So you can imagine now, like what is, would be possible if we came to our life with the intention of creating new standards that served our life. And we were able to to actually have metrics that we could look at and say, am I in alignment with my value? Now, that, that's an exciting process. It sounds like then what you're saying, then the, the recipe for the success for people like us who are trying to help people specifically get, get become more financially secure, if not financially independent, is to try to encourage them or to coach them to the point of raising their standards about money and financial independence and wealth. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Yeah. So really good statement. And I, and before we can do that, I think it's important that we actually get present and honest with ourselves about what our standard is. So for instance, uh, my wife and I used to 
uh, hold a, a weekend seminar. It was called the Diabetes Smackdown, the ultimate solution. And this, we would be working with people who had type two diabetes. So, um, so right, they're not, uh, this is something that they've developed as a result of their standards of how they, they eat, how they, what they put in their bodies, uh, how much they move, right? And there's one part in the seminar that's a total mind blower because a lot of these people are, they get, they come here and they're like, we don't understand how this happened to us. How did I wind up with type two diabetes? And the short of answer, and of course we don't just hit them over the head with this, but it's, this is your standard for your health and fitness and level of vitality. Having type two diabetes is your standard. It's what you're willing to settle for. Now, it's not what you value. It's not what you want, but it's what you're willing to settle for. And you didn't choose the standard. And by the way, it's not your fault. So that's the good news. It's not your fault. And it's a hundred percent your responsibility because it is your life. And so then what, what we do is we help them create with intention the new standard that they want around their health and fitness and vitality. They literally defined it on paper. And this is not goal. This is not making goals. This is a declaration of a new standard that we're willing to settle for. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, but I guess just to play devil's advocate. Yes. Why isn't it their fault? <laughs> yes. Great question. It's not our fault or it's not their fault because they have zero idea of how their mind works. They don't know what's influencing their decision making. They don't know what a standard is. They were from the moment they were born, their brain was soaking up information and taking in everything without the ability to discern, without the, the ability to to bring these distinctions, this technology, if you will, to to sort through all this data. And so they just simply took on everything that they were, uh, th that was being modeled for them without kind of without question. I guess I kind of would parallel that to our situation with our debt, right? We, mm -hmm. we arrived at this point with $51,000 in credit card debt and we looked back on it and we said, okay, so we grew up in households where it wasn't okay to be gay. We were bullied at school. Uh, we just felt like outcasts. We didn't feel accepted. And then we looked around and we said, well, how can we get acceptance? And one of the easiest ways in our society today to get acceptance is to present yourself in a very successful, maybe somewhat overtly fabulous way. And that way you get, that is one way to get acceptance. And mm -hmm. so we fell into a standard of I'm willing to spend more money than I make to get the acceptance that I want and didn't get from other folks, when wh whether that was when I was growing up or even folks within the LGBT community. We were so desperate for that. I guess, like you, you say, it isn't necessarily our fault that those were the conditions in which we found ourselves in. But mm -hmm. as you did mention, for the same for those folks with type 2 diabetes, it's our life. This was our life, and it was our responsibility to say, if I want things to be anything different, I have to change my standards. 
My yes. standards need to be no longer based on the ex- getting and gaining the acceptance at all costs from everyone else. My standards need to be based on what's going to provide me with happiness, what's going to provide me with the courage, the strength, the desire to live the life that I want, and to go out and pursue that rather than living up to the low standards that everyone else has set for me. Yeah, really, really well articulated. And uh, do I have time to give you one more example? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about health and fitness because it's just an easy one to relate to. Uh, we all value health. We all value being healthy. We all value being fit. And that was my story. I valued that. And my standard for what I put in my body was not in alignment with my value. What I put in my body did not contribute to health. The level of exercise I was doing did not contribute to my health. I've always been, you know, thin. So I thought I was healthy and I could just eat whatever I wanted and I ate garbage. When I began educating myself about food and nutrition and about exercise, and then I made some intentional shifts in my standards. I got clear about what my standard was. I got clear like, oh, I'm willing to eat garbage and not move my body much. And I'm thin, so that's good enough. That was what I was willing to settle for. But then I started hanging out with people who were doing triathlons and, and Ironmans. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, how do they do that? That, that must be for the elite. And what I realized is they had intentionally set standards for themselves. And I eventually got into that, um, space of the, of the triathlon space and realized like, oh my gosh, I can do this stuff. And if I fuel my body in a healthy way, in a particular way, I can actually do these events. And I went on to, to complete an Ironman, which was like, it was never even on my radar. It, I had a belief system that said, that is absolutely impossible. But I did it. And then after that, what I did was I set a new standard for myself. And my new standard was, I want to be able any day of the week to go out and uh, complete an Olympic distance triathlon, which is about a mile swim, 26 mile bike ride, and then a six mile run. So that was the standard that that was what I was willing to settle for. So now I have a standard that I have metrics for. And since then, I've actually lowered that standard because I don't I don't that doesn't work for my life anymore, having to do that much exercise. And I, nor do I have the desire anymore for it. But I'm very clear about the standard that I have now. And when you make standards and take responsibility, because a standard really becomes a commitment at that point. And here's here's what I want your listeners to hear, because this is this is what excites me. When we make a commitment and we take responsibility for it, that's the only time that we can experience our personal power. If there and I'll say that again, because it's like this is my favorite thing. When we make a commitment for which we can then take responsibility and we do take responsibility, we experience our personal power. If there's an area in your life where you feel like you're, there's a lack of power or diminished power, it's because there's either no commitments there or there's commitments that you've made, but you're not taking responsibility for them. And when you begin to take responsibility for them, the results change dramatically. I have so much to say. The first thing I have to say, this is why I don't trust you skinny bitches who say you can just eat anything. (laughs) (laughs) I've always known it's a lie. (laughs) But I think everything you just shared right there 
was the prime example, I think, of why Jim Rohn used to say, you are the five people you spend the most time with. Suddenly yes. you're you're hanging around triathletes and marathoners and you're like, oh, no, wait, things, I'm not as amazing as I, th- I thought I was. I'm not naturally healthy. I just happen to be naturally skinny. And so yes. that changed your, your, that helped organically in a way change your s- standard. So I'm hung up on that word organically because I think it's kind of hard to force people to change their standards when you know they should and you know that it would align with what they say their values are. So how do you... How do you encourage people to change their standards before they have to sort of hit a rock bottom like they've got type 2 diabetes? Yeah, great question. Uh, you guys have such great question. So the the first thing we want to do is, so if you're listening to this this show, the first thing to do is really get clear about the number one thing that's going to help you change your standard. And that is by asking one question. What is my standard around and then fill in the blank. What is my standard around having a savings account? What is my standard around honesty? What is my standard around family time or work-life balance? What is my, what's my standard around my health and fitness? What's my standard around my sex life? There's, because standards are everywhere and they determine the result. If we can get in the habit and practice asking the question, what's my standard when it comes to blah, blah, blah? That's a much more powerful question than asking, what's my value? Because again, values just show a preference. Standards are where the rubber meets the road. So when I, when I kind of look at this, this value versus standards kind of question, then it almost seems to me that values make me think and talk about what I want, but mm-hmm. standards actually are the proof of what I truly am willing to do to get what I want. Yes. In those values. Yes. Right. So if I value financial freedom, if I value having financial sustain- sustainability in my life, but my standards are so low, then I'm probably going to continue to struggle financially in my life. And if I am struggling financially in my life, most of the time it is related to the fact that I don't have the standards at a level in which I will get to sustainability. Yes. People are lacking clarity around their standard. Right. And I think, right, like you said, that then I said, what am I maybe – what is the least I'm willing to accept, right? Yes. Because that's what, re- yes. really that's kind of what it, you're getting at right here is this what I'm, what's the least I'm willing to accept when it comes to various aspects of my life and then ask yourself if is that does that feel comfortable? <laughs> does yeah, it feel the- comfortable to say, well, yeah, I'm going to accept the fact that I'm going to always be in debt. I'm going yes. to accept the fact that I never will have enough money to have a comfortable and safe retirement. I'm going to accept the fact that I probably will have to live, I'm sorry, work until the day I die because I just am going to set this low standard for myself, right? That may be the highest standard that you want. Not necessarily putting no judgment there. If that's the highest standard that you want, then you have to live with the results of that. Exactly. And another example of what you just said. So once upon a time in my life, 
I was willing to settle for overdraft charges and being late with payments. Now, I didn't want it. It didn't feel good. It's not what I valued, yet I was willing to settle for that. And when I got clear about my new standard, this is here's the new standard that I created. I will always pay ahead on my bills. And so now if you went down to our city, our, our PUD and our, and, and where I, where I pay our water and sewer and garbage, if you looked at my account, if you actually, you talk to those people, they would say, Oh, Fletcher, he's paid up five months in advance. They all know it. And I go in and I actually pay with cash every single, every single time. I haven't during COVID because they've been closed, but before that, I always go in, I pay with cash, I pay ahead because my standard is I am always five months ahead on my bills. And now some people will say, that's crazy. Well, it might be crazy, but it's my standard. I'm intentional about it. I created it and it serves my life really well because guess what? I never, ever, ever have to worry about my utility bills or my car bill or my mortgage. I'm paid ahead on everything. That's my standard. In my checking account, I always have a $2,000 bumper because sometimes things, you know, might clear at different times or I forgot about something. So I always want to have a bumper. That's my standard. And that serves my life and it feels really good. I love that. I think another good example of this, we're going to stick with the money theme here. Another really good example of this is maybe folks who go out there and create a budget and they know exactly where they want all their money to go and they set aside the money, right? But then payday hits and it's a Friday and people say, hey, let's go out to happy hour. And so they go out to happy hour. And one beer turns into two beers, which turns into appetizers, then that turns into <laughs> dinner, and then you go somewhere else for other drinks, and all of a sudden, you've spent $200 of money that you really only had 20 bucks set aside for happy hour, and now yes. that $180 has to come from somewhere else. And so, your standard is basically saying, your value is, I want to have a budget, but your standard is, I want to have fun with my friends. <laughs> yes. Yes. R really good point. And what you're, and so what you're saying is they value having fun with friends over financial security. So having fun has a higher value in their mind than having financial security. Now, there's nothing good, bad, right, or wrong about that. We just want to get honest about what's going on. Absolutely. You stole my next question. <laughs> oh, okay. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, in David's example there, I was going to play devil's advocate. Is it really that they, maybe it's more that they value friendship and community and fun more than they value financial independence. And that's why they're investing so much of their time and money into their friendships as opposed to their budget and their financial security. Is it really confusion about what, what I value not so much about my standards. Yeah. Again, great statement and observation. And so one of the things I, uh, I always tell my clients when they're coaching with me is there is no good, bad, right, or wrong. We always, we throw out all of those labels. The only question I concern myself is, does it serve my life? And if it serves my life and it feels good, wonderful. Now, blowing all my money on Friday 
to have that high level of connection for a few hours may just absolutely be the best thing. And I might be willing to live with the consequence of being broke for the next two weeks. If that's how I, if that's how you want to roll, there's no judgment around it. When it no longer serves your life, then it will be time to create a new standard and, and bring massive intention to it. Do you think that maybe there's a, um, there's an attraction to being vocal about what our values are, but a desire to hide our actual standards to those values or how much we live up to those values? Oh man, you nailed it. Yeah. So we love to talk about what we value because most values are, you know, noble and they sound good and like, oh wow, I want to be around him. They have really good values. But if you looked in, if you had a, a camera in my, my house and was watching how I, how I was talking, acting, you know, drinking, whatever, or spending my money, you might be like, what? That's not a person who I really want to hang out with. Or that's not a person I want on my team. And, and you didn't mention all this stuff. Well, of course not, because it's so out of alignment with, with my values. It doesn't feel good. And I actually feel some guilt or shame or embarrassment about how I'm actually living and what I'm actually willing to settle for. Right. It's interesting that you say that because every time like a, a, a public person, they have some sort of a, an unexpected altercation or whatever publicly, you know, and, and they, they always come out and apologize and say, that's not who I am. That's not what I value. <laughs> and I always think to myself, yeah, I, th I think that's exactly who you are. You just didn't know it, and you didn't know we were all watching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. But that's exactly who you are. Right. And yes. And I guess my, it's not so much to, to – I mean, obviously, I don't know these people. It's, so it's not so much to point blame, but I also wonder, unless you're going to get honest about whether or not that is actually who you are, can you actually change that in yourself? Mm -hmm. Unless mm -hmm. you say – Yes, I am a actually hot-tempered, irrational person once in a while who makes bad decisions that hurt, that hurts people. Unless I'm willing to uh, accept that, then I really can't improve on that if I want to be a better person. Right. Yeah. So, so again, now you're kind of getting to that question, like how how do I can I change my standards? Can I change my actions? My who I am? Right. Well, I would like to. Yeah. When, can I change my standards? Can I change my actions? And I also would like to know. Is it possible for us to always live up to our standards, even if we raise them? Again, great question. So the fastest way to change your standards is to, first of all, get clarity about what they are currently and then create the standard that you want. Now, you just said, but can I always get to that standard? So create the standard that you want to have and that you currently do not have. Right. So, for instance, um, making my bed. In our house, we make our bed every single day. It's our standard. Now, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. It just serves our life. Now, if you're a person who doesn't make your bed every day, you can, and you were like, wow, you know, I actually like walking to a room where my bed is made. It feels good. I want that to be my new standard. Great. That's going to be pretty easy for you, to, a pretty easy target for you to hit. So I always say, look for easy wins. Create some standards that are going to be really easy and work your way up to the things that are, are uh, where you have greater challenges or, or more habitual practices. So give yourself some wins and let your mind see that, oh, I can change. I actually can change. Oh, I changed. I'm making my bed every day now. Uh, that means I can 
I can take on a new financial standard or maybe that's a big jump, but you get my point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll sh maybe share an example. And this was something we were going to talk about, but I think maybe I can share an example from my personal take. Um, and one of the changes that I've made when it comes to values and standards, we hear a lot of folks in the LGBT community being very vocal and passionate about giving back to the community. But then at the same time, we see a lot of studies that show financially LGBT people do not give to LGBT causes. They're mm -hmm. very, very tiny fraction of the amount of money that we make is spent giving back to LGBT causes. It's actually going more often to things like travel and dining out and high personal hygiene. And here's a personal example. In the past, John and I, well, actually, and my previous partner and I more often would go to LGBT events, um, mm -hmm. gala events for LGBT charities. And I started to notice a trend amongst myself, my partner, and my friends that more of us were spending more money on preparing ourselves to look great at these events than the amount of money that we were actually giving to the charity. And I started to ask myself, why am I doing this? What do I, re what am I really valuing? Am mm -hmm. I valuing donating and giving to the charity and supporting LGBT causes? Or am I valuing being seen at an event where people will think that I'm doing good for the community, but I want to spend money on how I look so that I actually make more of an impression? on people rather than actually helping the cause. And I will say that events, LGBT gala events like HRC and local center events, those kinds of events, I just don't have a desire to attend anymore because of this nature within myself to do more for myself at the event or for the event than to actually give to the charity. Mm. And I think that's one thing that I, over time, I looked at and I said, this is not, this is, this is not living up. My standards not living up to the value that I have of giving to the charity. I should just be giving to the charity or the community in ways that are helpful to the community and less focused on me. Really, really good. I love the, how authentic you are about that. Because basically what you came to a conclusion to, it sounds like, uh, is that I value the experience of being significant in the eyes of others more than the monetary contribution I'm going to make. And there's nothing, again, there's nothing good, bad, right, or wrong about that. That's human nature, right? We all have, we all want to feel significant, but for you to actually have the awareness that that's what's going on for you and that it is getting in the way of you being in alignment with your value, that's huge. And when you got that awareness, then you were able to set a new standard or make a new decision. I love that. So in, with the people that you work with, what do you find are the common results of them aligning their standards with their values or more likely, I guess, raising their standards to their values? Yeah. Gosh, I love this. The results that I see seem magical. The results that I see, I, I frequently get emails and texts or phone calls, and they will frequently start out this way. Fletcher, 
you're never going to believe what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be good because what's happened is they've begun taking responsibility for the commitments they've made and they've made commitments to or standards, created new standards that are in alignment with the values. And now they're taking responsibility for it, meaning they're in action. Um, they're managing their thinking at a higher level and the results are just off the charts. The results are feeling good. The results results are experiencing flow. The results are a sense of connection or amended relationships or finding the person of their dreams or reversing type two diabetes or actually getting out of debt and getting their new first home, right? Or finding the job of their dreams. All of these achievements and experiences that they've been wanting, they're realizing once they got an alignment, uh, once their standards got an alignment with their values. I love all of that. But the, 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 the phrase that stuck out to me most, and I'm going to have to think on this more, is when you said they're managing their thinking at a higher level. Yes. I think that's so powerful because I don't, it's so hard to control our thinking because the voice is constantly talking, even when we're not, you know, telling it to. Like what I just told myself right there. <laughs> but yep. if you're managing your thinking at a higher level, you're more in control. You have more conscious control of your thoughts. And there's so much profound benefit that can come from that. Yeah, boy, that's a boy. That's going to be a whole nother uh, show we got to do together because <laughs> that be. I love that topic. <laughs> right. that well, and, and it's if, if you're managing your conscious thoughts around a particular standard over time, those conscious thoughts work their way into your subconscious and then you automatically pick up on and react to things without needing to actually consciously think about it. It's kind of like that whole example of driving a car. When you first learned how to drive a car, you needed to be conscious, so conscious about everything, right? And the, you know, the, the, the speed you were going, what it, the effort it took to shift, the, all of that, you know, slowing down to turn. Now, you know, t- you're 20 years into driving. All of this stuff is so subconscious that you just do it and you can have a conversation or sing a song or smack the kids in the backseat if they're misbehaving yeah. <laughs> or whatever the case right. may be. Right. <laughs> yeah. What, what you're alluding to is the practice. Right. Uh, and that's uh, all my curriculums fall under the umbrella of the practice of feeling good in business and in life. You know, medicine is a practice. People who are, are attorneys or lawyers, they practice law. We have to practice managing our thinking. We have to practice feeling good. So this is what I do with all my clients. We literally practice feeling good on demand and managing our thinking. And that sounds very simple. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. But the more we practice feeling good, and when I say feeling good, I mean, secure, connected, engaged, present, optimistic, open, willing, ready, right? All these ways of feeling good. When we manage our ways of being, then we have abilities to manage our thoughts and actions. You see, Before we can take any action, there's a way of being that precedes it. So in my course, we really are looking at how to manage our ways of being, choosing ways of being and rewiring our thinking and our nervous system so that when the voice shows up, like John said, and it does almost all the time, it doesn't have to influence our decision making in the way it used to. Right. 
Exactly. I love all that. And that's a great segue into if our listeners want to take your course or at the very least uh, learn more and follow you, uh, how can they connect with you? Yeah. So again, all my courses are under the umbrella of the practice of feeling good. So you can go to the practice of feeling com, or just go to my first to last name, which is Fletcher Ellingson. It's Fletcher Ellingson.com. Take advantage of the free resources I've got there. You can go to YouTube and look up some of my videos that I've posted, just some short snippets about these, some of these very distinctions that we were talking about today. Um, no cost, just go and get some free learning and, and uh, start making changes. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, Fletcher. We really appreciate it. This is a conversation for those of you who are li- listening in, you probably know this is the kind of conversation that John and I could have for a very long time. So. <laughs> Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Fletcher, for sharing this profound distinction between values and standards with us, and then for sharing it again with our listeners. We appreciate it. For you, our listeners, here's your crew money takeaway from this episode. Do just as Fletcher said. If you're struggling in any area of your life, unpack what your true standards are about that area and then decide if they align with your values. If they don't, start adjusting them. And don't start with the big values and standards first. Start smart and small, as Fletcher suggested. Then work your way to the next goal. Then join us next week when we kick off our four-part investing series with a discussion on UTMA accounts and how they can help you and your kids. Remember, we make the Queer Money podcast for you, so post your money questions in the Queer Money Facebook group. We may answer your question in an upcoming episode. Finally, have a wonderful week. Thank you. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.